This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. Amen. We'll take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, I met a number of first-time visitors this morning in this service and the previous service. And if you're visiting today, thanks so much for being here. I want you to know it's our normal habit to walk through books of the Bible. And right now we're going through Hebrews. We have slowed down a bit to take our times in Hebrews chapter 11, which we'll be in uh, until Christmas and then pick it back up again after that in chapter 12. But the reality is, is that Hebrews chapter 10 said the righteous are those who live by faith. That faith is not a one-time decision we make and then leave it behind. Faith, faith is the way in which we walk. We're trusting every day in the promises of God. We're holding on to those promises. Every step we take with Jesus on this journey, we're taking by faith. We're believing in the promises of God. And what we have in Hebrews chapter 11 is an example, many examples of how it is we do that. How do we learn how to live by faith? One of the most common lies of the enemy in the life of every believer goes something like this. No one understands me. No one understands what I'm going through. No one understands my experience. And the enemy loves to kind of tell us that in some form or fashion all throughout our lives. And it's funny because as kids, we think this, right? We think, well, my parents don't understand me. They would never understand what I'm going through. And looking back, we realize, no, they probably did, right? Like it wasn't that unusual what we were going through. Everybody goes through that. But we go through these seasons in life when we just feel like no one else is going to understand me. But what's, what's funny is when we get adults, we still think the same thing. We may not say it. We just kind of feel like we're alone and no one else understands. And if we were to tell someone exactly how we're feeling and what's going on, they would be shocked and would have never thought uh, that that would be even a possibility for anyone when the reality is we're really not that alone in our experiences. And if we believe the lie of the enemy that no one understands and we're alone, then what we're gonna tend to do is be isolated, we're gonna hide, and we're gonna just be quiet. Like we're not gonna talk about what's going on in our heart and soul, and if we don't do that, then we're never gonna get healing for it, and then we're never gonna get, make, uh, make progress the reality is many of us just get stuck in our Christian life because we believe this lie that no one understands. I was thinking this week about the book, The Pilgrim's Progress. It's written in 1677, almost 350 years ago. It was written by a pastor named John Bunyan who was thrown into prison uh, because he was preaching the gospel. And while he was in prison, he wrote this little allegory of the Christian life. It takes a man named Pilgrim from the city of destruction all the way to the celestial city. And it's just a picture of our life with Jesus. And the reason it's called The Pilgrim's Progress is because it wasn't ever intended to be just about this guy, but a picture of, of all of our Christian lives. And the reason that it's in over 200 languages, the reason that it hasn't gone out of print for 350 years, it's not because it's a great work of literature. It's because that every generation of Christians pick it up and read it, and when they do, they think the same thing. Well, that's my story. Like, we don't think anyone else has ever spent time in the slew of despond, where we just think everything is terrible, and my life is falling apart, and we realize, well, this guy did. 
You think, well, no one's ever been discouraged like I have, or no one has ever been tempted like I had. And you just realize by reading this book that our lives, although they have incredibly different specifics, and all of our details are different, the reality is the life of faith is really similar for all of us. And it's one of the reasons our story this morning is, is so encouraging, because we need to be reminded from the word of God that we are on a journey of faith that millions of people throughout the centuries have been on. And the experiences that they had are very much like the experiences that we have. And even though there are thousands of years that separate us, the reality is, is there's a lot of people who understand what we're going through. There's not only some on your row and some in your section who, if you're to be honest, would say, I understand exactly what you're talking about. But the word of God is filled with people whose lives were much like ours. And we have testimony after testimony of saying, listen, you're not alone. Let me explain to you the life of faith so you'll know that for sure. This morning, we have the opportunity to look at the life of, of Abraham. One who is regarded as probably the greatest example of faith in the entire Bible. Paul, as he writes the book of Romans and helps us to understand the life of faith and how to walk with Jesus and how to give our life to Jesus, keeps going back to Abraham. Because he knows that Abraham and his life of faith is significant for us in our understanding of how to walk with Jesus. If you want to read about his life, you can do so from Genesis 12 through 25. But he is an incredible example of what it means to live by faith. And his life as a whole really gives us a bit of a model of what it is like for us today to live this way, walking by faith day by day. His story starts in Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 22. And so look with me there as I read. If you're there, say amen. amen. Starting in verse eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. That's his kids, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that his foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, this is his wife, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Verse 14. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau, and by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. 
By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. Now, all of that dedicated to Abraham and his descendants. And the reality is, every one of us who knows Jesus Christ is part of the descendants of Abraham. It was through Abraham that God was going to make for himself a people. And by faith, we are grafted into that people. We become a part of that people. And so the story of Abraham is really not just Genesis to 20, 12 to 25. It's from Genesis 12 to the end of Scripture. And the story of Abraham is continuing today. Every time someone gives their life to Christ, they become a part of the chosen people of God through which we are in Abraham. It's an amazing thing to think about the way in which God used this man. But the truth is, when I read this text, what I see here is really a bit of a normal life of faith. Now, the challenging thing is that there's like 200 sermons in those verses I just read. And uh, I got to get through Hebrews 11 and you got turkeys debased. And so it's just, I got to give it one sermon. And so certainly we're going to miss some Scriptures along the way, there are so many verses right here that just that verse deserves a sermon. But what I want you to see from his life is how much his life is similar to yours. And what he is saying to us as someone who's come to the other side of that life of faith and the way in which he encourages us to persevere. His life begins by being called of God. Look at verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called. Now, one of the great mysteries of the Bible is why Abraham was called. I mean, this is a man that we know nothing else about before this time. He was from a pagan family. He was from a pagan nation. He was an idolater. His parents were idolaters. He was from a distant land. He had no connection to the people of God. It is a massive mystery why Abraham was called. There is no human reason why he would be the one. And he was 75 years old when he finally got the call of God. So 75 years of living in idolatry, 75 years of living as a pagan in a pagan land. And then all of a sudden you open Genesis 12 and God calls Abraham with no explanation why. Now that should be encouraging for us this morning. Because we have a tendency to think in our minds if if certain people would give their lives to Jesus, imagine what they could do for the kingdom of God. And if Bill Gates would would be a Christian, imagine what we could do with all of that money for the kingdom. If Jeff Bezos would give his life to Jesus, imagine what we could do with all of those billions of dollars. Let me just tell you something. God doesn't need their money. And God's not impressed with their accomplishments. And God doesn't need them to advance the kingdom. Are they welcome in the kingdom? Yes. But the reality is, is God is not looking for that to choose people to advance his kingdom. Just look at Jesus and his disciples. He chose some fishermen, a criminal tax collector, and a political zealot. This is not the who's who. This is not the people you would think, I need some studs here to really advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I'm going to go after the best. No, these were the most unlikely people. And here's the deal. If there is anything in your mind which makes you think, "Well, well, maybe God wouldn't want me. I have good news for you. The fact that you sense God calling you is exact evidence that God wants you. And he doesn't need anything else from you but you. He's not impressed by anybody's accomplishments. And Abraham's an example of the fact that God just picked this guy from a pagan nation. Not only did he choose him and call him, he gave him incredible promises. I mean, the calling on his life is found in Genesis 12. The first few verses says this. So now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I'll show you. I'll make of you a great nation. I'll bless you and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is an unbelievable call of God. I mean, everybody's gonna be blessed through you. Anybody that curses you will be cursed. Anybody that blesses you will be blessed. All the nations will be blessed from you. From you. I'm gonna give you descendants and inheritance and a land. But the truth is, the real invitation was more like this. Abram, leave everything and I'll give you something better. I want you to leave your father, your mother, your homeland. I want you to leave your job. I want you to leave everything you know that is secure and safe. And I want you to start to follow me. To which Abraham might say, well, where are we going? And the Lord says, well, I don't know. We're gonna get, we're gonna figure it out. Well, I know, but I need to know. I mean, we've talked about this a little over the last few weeks. If you're a control freak, or you really like to have things mapped out, you're gonna be miserable following Jesus. He just doesn't work that way. As much as I'd love him to. Like, I would love to have it all mapped out. But the invitation is always this. Hey, listen, leave everything, but I'm gonna make a promise. What you get in return is gonna be better than what you gave up. That's the invitation. So Abraham, you've got a lot here, but here's the deal. I want you to leave that and we're gonna begin a journey together and what I will give you is gonna be better than what you left. And so he responds. How does he respond? Well, he believes the promise. He repents, he turns from his old paganism, he turns from his old life, and he begins to walk with the Lord. Like he just begins this day-by-day, step-by-step journey of faith. You've heard me say before that the most important step you take is the next one. So make sure that it's the step of faith. Because that's the way the Lord works. He invites us, we hear the call of God, we turn our backs on the old life, We trust that what God says is true, that there's something better for us. And then what do we do? We just wake up in the morning and start walking. Like we just go step by step by step, every step, another another step of faith. And Abraham began his journey. Now, the book of Hebrews doesn't tell us this. But the reality is, is there was a lot of times in his life in which he felt like God had forgotten him. So God said, you're gonna have more descendants than the sand on the seashore. Well, in order for that to happen, you gotta have a kid first. 25 years went by without God fulfilling the promise. Imagine that. Imagine God saying, leave everything and I'm gonna give you all of this. And after 25 years, nothing. After 25 years, he doesn't sense the promise. And in the midst of all of those years, he had some really faithless moments. Abraham, he's great. He did some really dumb things. Like right after he got the promise, the first thing he did in the first town he went to is he lied about his wife saying it was his sister, which he ended up doing town after town after town. And then he did that because he was afraid something was happening to his wife. And so he's a chronic liar and terrified. This is the guy God chose. And the reality is, is that, man, we begin this life of faith and we still have a bunch of junk and God's working it out over time. But it's not like you give your life to Jesus and all of those things are gone. No, we work those things out over time. Like we get sanctified by time. Abraham, at one point, got so tired of waiting on God to fulfill his promise that he decided to take matters in his own hands. And I won't tell the story, but decided to have another kid with someone, someone else. 
ended up in a massive disaster with all kinds of long-term implications. God forgave him. He repented. He continued to walk by faith, but still feeling the consequences of that decision. He had some faithless moments. But you know what happened is that every moment along the way, he continued to be reminded that God is faithful. God just gave him reminders. Like here he was promising this incredible land and now he's living in tents with his family, his wife. He said, honey, we're gonna go follow the Lord and he's gonna give us this great land. And she wakes up for 25 years in a tent. He said, now trust me, I promise the Lord said this is gonna happen. And you know, all throughout the way and all those 25 years, moment by moment, God just kept reminding him that he was gonna do it. He'd just give him a promise here and there. He'd give him a little answer to prayer. He'd give him a little moment to show that God was with him the greatest of which was found there in, in verse 10, 11, where it says, by faith, Sarah received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. So when Abraham was 100 and she was 90, God finally reminded him of a promise and, and gave them that child. I love what it says here. Uh, I love how the scripture sometimes says stuff that we could never say. Verse 12, therefore from one man, Abraham, and him as good as dead, were born, that's a great phrase, isn't it? Abraham was as good as dead. Like he might as well have been dead. But even though as good as dead, he had a baby. 25 years after the promise, God comes through and he remembers what God had said. And even along the journey and his faithless moments and the moments in which God kept giving him reminders, and he had some moments when his faith was really, really tested. So he finally gets the son of promise, the son from whom everyone else is going to come. And then look what it says in verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And so God said, Isaac, Abraham, I want you to go take Isaac and sacrifice him. And it tells us that Abraham takes Isaac up and he's gonna go sacrifice him. And right before he does, as an act of faith, God spares Isaac, sends a ram there as a sacrifice. The truth is, is that in his life, there were some major moments of testing. I mean, the biggest test you can imagine. Here's the promised son, and he's being told to sacrifice it. And all along the way, the faithless moments, the moments of waiting, the moments which are wondering God is there, God just kept giving reminders, and there were significant tests all along the way. But the most amazing thing to me about his life it's what it tells us in verse 10 and then in verse 13 and following. Look at what it says in verse 10. For Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, God had told him he was going to give him a city. He had this specific promise. You're going to get a new land. And it might have been in verse 10. When he was called by God, he went out because he was wanting that city. Like this physical city and land that God was going to give him. But somewhere along his journey, he began to want something different. Look at, look at 13. So all of these people died in faith and they didn't receive the things that were promised. You say, oh, wait a minute, what? But they saw them and they greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak this way, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. So Abraham could have gone back, but he didn't. Why? Because they desired a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he's prepared a city for them. 
So he started his journey of faith wanting the physical blessings of God. He ended his journey of faith wanting something different. He started wanting this specific physical land, but he ended wanting something far greater than that. Because what happened on his journey is in the process of him just walking with the Lord day by day, God began to change his desires. God began to change what he wanted most. And at the end of his life, what he really wanted most is a city that far surpassed the one that God had promised to him in Genesis 12. He wanted a heavenly city. And you see what happened was this, that Abraham kind of started following the Lord because of these promises But then as he spent time with the Lord, what he realized is that there was nothing on this earth, all the descendants, all the land that was ever gonna satisfy him apart from the Lord. And what he wanted is not just a little taste of earthly things. He wanted the fullness of everything God had promised him. And so as he walked with the Lord, God began to work in him and change his heart. And through, listen, through all of the testing and all of the trials and all of the waiting, God was changing Abraham. Until he got to the point where he realized, you know what I want most? Everything I want most is on the other side of this life. God began to change his heart. And Abraham changed his desires. And the key is on a few specific words you see. And if you circle in your Bible, circle these words. In verse 10, the word looking. Do you see that? For he was looking forward in verse 10. In verse 14, he was seeking a homeland, a seeking, circle that. Verse 15, he was thinking of a land, not the one he had left, but a new land. Verse 16, he desired a better country. So looking, seeking, thinking, and desiring. So here's, here's Abraham's journey of faith. Is that throughout his, faith, throughout his life of faith, in the midst of the testing, the trials, the difficulties, the waiting, you know what he kept doing? He just kept looking to the Lord. He kept desiring the Lord and whatever the Lord wanted. He kept seeking the things of God. He kept thinking about those things. And as he kept looking and seeking and desiring and thinking, over time, God changed his heart. And finally, Abraham came to the moment in which every one of us need to come to, and that is this. Abraham realized that God keeps some of his promises in this life, but most of them are fulfilled in the next Some of God's promises are fulfilled here. Some of the things God promised you, he's gonna give you now, but most of them are gonna come later. So you say, well, I came to Christ because of abundant life. Let me tell you something. If you walk closely with Jesus, you're gonna know the joy and the life that only Jesus can give. I assure you, as you walk close to him, John 15, you abide in him, your joy will be made full. But let me tell you something. The greatest joy you have in this life is just a taste of the greater joy in the next. Our greatest worship service, we just feel like we have been taken up into the third heaven, like Paul said, and man, we have met with God and we have rejoiced. That's a, a taste of the greater glory that awaits those on the other side of death. What is happening is we start to realize that yes, God is fulfilling some things here. He's reminding us of his promises here, but it's not until there that we get them fully. And so Abraham's heart began to change and said, Lord, I don't want the things on the earth. I I appreciate the offer of the land and, and that's great. I know that's a part of your plan, but I want something far better than that. And as we walk with Jesus, the most amazing thing happens. All of a sudden the desires of our heart change and what we want most is something we can only get on the other side of death. 
It's exactly why the apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. Because this is great. And if I'm here, I love to be here. This is great. But you know what I really want? I really want what I can only get on the other side of life. And the reason I think his story is so important for us is because it really is our story. I mean, just think about that with me. Our story begins with a call. It begins with a call. It begins at a moment in which you begin to think about the Lord and desire the Lord. The most amazing thing is happening in someone's heart this morning in this room. What it is, is is you walked in here with really no desire for God or affection or thoughts about God. You certainly never thought you would give your life to Jesus Christ. And you know what's happening right now? You're starting to sense a desire for the Lord. And you, you don't even know where it came from. Well, let me tell you where it came from. It came from the Holy Spirit of God. Like if you're sensing a desire from the God, that is God calling you to himself. It's God saying, hey, come on. I want to invite you to myself. And then just like he did with Abraham, he gives you promises. He says, listen, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Do you want the fullness of life and joy and peace? Everything you were created for, Jesus says this, you can only find it in me. Everything else will disappoint you. And he makes these massive promises to you. Listen, come to me and everything your heart desires will be found. Then we have to make a decision. We have to choose just like Abraham did to repent of our old life and and say, I don't want that. That didn't fulfill me. We turn our back on it and, and we trust the Lord. And then we just begin the journey of faith. We're trusting and following Jesus. You gotta make that decision to turn your back and to begin to follow the Lord. And then you begin to walk. And day by day, moment by moment, you begin to take that journey of faith. You wake up in the morning, you walk with God. In the afternoon, you walk with God. In the evening, you just begin that journey of walking with God. And let me promise you something. Just like Abraham, in your journey of faith, you're gonna do some really dumb things. You're gonna have some really faithless moments. There's gonna be some times in which you decide to take matters into your own hands and in so doing, you're gonna make a total mess of everything. There's gonna be some times in which for a moment, you don't believe that Jesus is better and you make choices away from Jesus There's gonna be tons of moments like this in which we make really dumb, faithless decisions. All this sin and flesh is still in us. The enemy's still coming after us. Some of that is gonna keep coming out. I promise you, you're gonna have a lot of these moments. And you know what you do? Exactly what Abraham did. You repent and you just keep walking. When people come to me and they say, "Uh, Pastor Josh, I've been away from the Lord for a long time and I, I don't know what to do next. What I say is just start walking. Like repent of that. And turn and just start walking with the Lord. Like just turn in the right direction and start going. That's what we do after our faithless moments. You know what? Along your journey, you're gonna have a lot of waiting, a lot of difficulties, a lot of struggles. But God's gonna remind you of his faithfulness. God's gonna give you little reminders, little answers to prayer, little glimpses of desire, even things like opening up your Bible and getting some joy from that and sensing God or coming into a service like this and feeling like, man, I wanna walk with the Lord or seeing God answer a specific thing or do something significant in your life. There are gonna be reminders along the way. Let me tell you what else is gonna be along the way. Some really hard tests. And one of the things about being a pastor is you know a lot of stories and you hear from a lot of people and Man, the first service, I was looking around and I see it here, but I, for some reason, the first service, I said, man, I just saw some people who I knew were going through the greatest, most significant tests of their life. 
And in those moments, we always wonder if God is there and we always feel like we're alone and no one understands. But the reality is every person who has ever walked by faith has always had their faith tested. Some of you are right in the middle of it and it's hard and you feel alone and you almost feel like giving up and you're a little bit discouraged. But what you'll realize if you hold on is this, if you'll keep looking and if you'll keep thinking and if you'll keep desiring and if you'll keep seeking in the midst of all of the suffering, if you'll just keep with every bit of strength you have by the grace of God walking with the Lord, like you just keep looking to him in the midst of the most difficult moments. If you'll just keep looking, what you're gonna realize is this, is God is gonna be working in you and God is changing you and God is doing something new and God is doing something fresh. And what you'll start to realize is that God is slowly giving you the desires of your heart. You know why? Because he's gonna be changing your desires. And what you're gonna realize in the midst of your greatest test is that this test is producing something in me that I wanted most, what? Well, that's, that's Christ-likeness. What I want most is Jesus and his presence and that test is what is drawing you to himself. And God is gonna be doing things in you that you won't believe. You, you'll wake up and not realize one day the person you are and how different you are from the person you were. And you know how you get there? You just keep looking and seeking and desiring and thinking. And slowly by slowly, God begins to change us. He begins to put our eyes upon different things. He allows us to be able to want something maybe we've never wanted before. Listen to this. Every person in this room is somewhere in that journey. Every one of you. It could be that you're sensing a call this morning. Like the Lord is stirring in your heart and, and it's new and unusual. Maybe you, someone in the first service told me they've been in church forever. This morning was the first time they fully surrendered to the Lord this morning. I said that. I just, I, I've always held back. This morning, I gave everything to the Lord. You know what that's called? That's called being saved. Like, Lord, here I am. That's awesome. Some of you are sensing the need to do that. And you know what you do? Well, you just, you just hear the promise of God. Give me your old life and I'll give you something better. But you gotta trust me. And so you turn and you repent. And some of you are at that stage. You just need to turn and give your life to Jesus Christ. Some of you are in the waiting period and God made a promise, but it doesn't seem to be coming through. God, I don't know what to do. And you're discouraged and you're frustrated. You're irritated. This is not the way you mapped it out. Some of you are just on the other side of a really dumb decision. Some of you didn't walk by faith this week. You didn't believe the promise. You chose something other than Christ. Maybe something big, maybe something small. Maybe you walked in here with a little bit of guilt and condemnation. You wonder what to do next. Maybe that's where you are. Some of you are right in the middle of a massive test of faith, like a really heavy test of faith. All of us are at one of these spots. So here we are on our journey of faith and we have Abraham showing us that, well, that's how faith works. These are all the, the normal stages of faith. But it tells us in Hebrews 12 that Abraham is here for us as a witness to us. We're surrounded by these great cloud of witnesses. What that means is this, is that Abraham on the other side of the journey is saying some things to us. No matter what stage you're in, the first stage, the last stage, whatever stage, Abraham is bearing witness to something. And I read this text over and over and over. I said, Lord, what is Abraham saying to us? Like, what do we learn from his life in the midst of the stages? And here's what it is. The first thing Abraham is saying to us 
in whatever stage you are is this. God is faithful. God's faithful. Like Abraham says, God has never failed to keep a promise. You say, well, Abraham, you never received all of that. Like you welcomed it from afar. You never got the land. You never saw the descendants. Let me tell you something. This room is filled with the descendants of Abraham (laughs) because God kept his promise. And everything that God promised him was just a small picture of the reality of what he received on the other side. God has never failed anyone. He is faithful. He will fulfill the desires and the plans he has for you. God is faithful. The story of Abraham is here for you to say no matter where you are in the journey, God is faithful. You just, you just totally messed up and were faithless. God's still faithful. You're in a testing, God's faithful. You're waiting, God's faithful. He says, God's faithful. He also says to us, don't give up. Don't give up. I know it's hard. I know the testing is real. I know the waiting is real. I know you have a tendency to get discouraged. We all do. But listen, Abraham is saying, listen, I waited 25 years for that promise. I waited my whole life and never received all of it until the other side of death. But he says this, do not give up. I think about the last verse of that previous chapter. You see it there in Hebrews 10, 39. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere their souls. Don't give up. You say, well, what do I do when I'm not giving up? Keep looking, keep seeking, keep thinking, keep desiring. You do what Hebrews 12, one and two says, you keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of his faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the shame set at the right hand of the father. Like you keep your eyes on Jesus and you don't for a minute think that he's not faithful. You don't for a minute think that he's not gonna keep his promise. You don't give up. So Abraham says to us, God is faithful. Don't give up. And then he says this, it's worth it. It's worth it. On the other side, after all of his journey, what he's bearing witness to is this, it's worth it. Like when you, when you receive the fullness of the promise of God, it's worth it. It's worth the testing. It's worth the trial. It's worth the waiting. It's worth the pain. Everything God has is worth it. And so you just got to hold on. Like you just got to keep walking with Jesus because someday God is going to come through. And when he does, you will bear testimony with Abraham that walking with him was worth it. Thinking about 1 Corinthians 2, 9, which says this, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You cannot begin to comprehend the glories that await those who just make it until the end. So listen to me. I want Abraham to encourage you this morning. Like wherever you are in the journey, I just want you to be encouraged this morning. That God understands, everyone through history that has walked with Jesus understands. And what he's saying to you in every single part of the journey is simply this. God is faithful. 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 He says, hey, don't give up. 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 Why? Because it's worth it. 
He's worth it. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is better. He's worth it. There's nothing else that's going to satisfy you. Jesus is worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. A living testimony to say he's faithful. Don't give up because it's all worth it. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.